Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, broadcasting live on WBSM and also on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you're new to the show, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, jump into the Spooky TV chat room, you can see what's going on here in the studio, and you can join in the chat room fun during the course of the program. And you want to see what's going on tonight because we got a full house. We've got some guests here with us in the studio. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I just want to say that I hope everybody had a safe and happy Halloween. Uh, we did. We made it through. Anybody egg? Anybody get their house egged? No? Moniz, you live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Good luck egging my place. Yeah, it wouldn't be, worth the, wouldn't be worth the travel time to get down there to egg your house. Plus, you'd probably get shot. Uh, more than likely. And, uh, and Costa, I know you're more likely to be the one doing the egging. You don't have a microphone tonight, so you can just nod. Just like you do at the drive-thru. Push cameras on. I don't know. I think it's that one back there. You want fries with that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get right into the discussion tonight. Now, we were announcing uh, earlier on our website and on Facebook and Twitter and everything that uh, tonight's show is going to be about demonology. We are going to talk about demonology tonight. Uh, but uh, Jeanette Osborne and her husband, Bob, cannot join us tonight uh, due to a family situation. So we wish them well. Hope... Hope everything works out well, and our thoughts and prayers are with the Osborne family. But uh, they will join us coming up in a few weeks because they wanted to promote their new show that's starting on Spooky TV, Hellfire Radio, which is going to be a weekly discussion about demonology from Bob and Jeanette. And the Hellfire Club is their new organization that's starting. And the idea behind it is it's bringing together serious demonologists and actual exorcists together. And they're going to kind of be almost an advisory board, and they're going to help people who are dealing with demons. Uh, and they're going to talk about that when they come on and, and more about the idea there. But you can check out the Hellfire Club on Facebook to find out more about what they're talking about with that organization. I know Keith and Carl are involved with it, and pretty much anybody that you can think of that would be one of the go-to sources for demonology they are getting on board. Uh, and it's it's really going to be... I think revolutionary in the field because, as our guest tonight can tell us, it's it's hard going up against these things. <laughs> I've never had to do it personally, but these guys have. I know Moniz has, and I know that uh, a lot of the people that are out there listening has. Uh, but do we have joining us from Taunton Paranormal Group? We have Scott Rodriguez and we have Rob Jacobs. I got everybody's names right, right? Diva. It's pronounced right. Jacobs, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding before we went on the air with Scott because his last name is Rodriguez. But in this area, it can be Rodriguez. It can be Rodericks. You know, I didn't know if you were related to, related to Coach Rodericks, and no, you know, he's going to no. start calling me and telling me I got it wrong. <laughs> so you guys are part of Taunton Paranormal Group. Uh, Scott, how did the group get started? Uh, well, we started actually uh, a few years back with uh, Rob and our co-founder at the time, uh, Lou Toledo. They, uh, I mean, Rob, I guess could <clears throat> Rob, I guess could tell the the story probably a little better because he was there there initially. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, how, I mean, how did it come about? Was it a, um, was it people that were already investigating, kind of coming together? Well, initially, we we had both had experiences. Uh, you know, I, I think I started around eight years old, and Lou was later in life, and he uh, had an idea of trying to put a group together and do uh, a television show, a local access show, and from there, we um, 
we kind of started doing, I guess you would say, officially, because uh, we're doing things back and forth, uh, not as a group, but just uh, solely as individuals. So we we decided to put the group together, and it initially started off as Taunton Paranormal Group, which we, uh, consisted of four of us, Louie, uh, myself, um, Ed Rodriguez, and Scotty, who actually was on as a cameraman at first, and after our first investigation kind of transitioned right into an investigator. Um, so we, that's, we, that's how they usually rope you in. Yeah, yeah I, had, uh, <laughs> I had gone along, you know, honestly, lack of better to do that night. Uh, they had asked me to go and film, so I had gone and gone and filmed and i think we left around it's probably three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and we looked at i looked at everybody and i was like all right i'm in <laughs> i know that's uh, our friends at phantom pi that's kind of what happened too they brought along some of the local cable access crew to get involved and by the end of it you know they were official investigators too yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really does change your life when you get out there and, and you have this stuff had you had any experiences scott before that not that i could that i can honestly say that i remember um I'm sure probably something. I mean, I, I, I think from doing this for the time we've been doing it, I've learned that a lot of people, whether they know it or not, have had at least some type of experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, can you reveal the location of you know where you were conducting that investigation? Was it a private home? Was it? Uh... That's that's the interesting part. We actually had been doing uh, a few quiet ones uh, prior, to, um, but we had gotten in touch with Father Bob Bailey. And surprisingly, he had some sort of uh, demonic activity in his rectory. So we uh, set up a date with him, and we went in and checked out his rectory, and we got some fantastic footage that night. We uh, actually caught a shadow manifest up one side of a wall, went across another behind a whole pile of boxes, and out the other side. I mean, it was something we couldn't duplicate, and... It, it was it was really interesting. I mean, there were there was a definite happiness uh, throughout the, the place, and uh, I think we caught a few EVPs that night. Some, yeah. some weird stuff. I mean, I don't well, remember. For, it was, it was for a those while who back. might not be, this from- is in a rectory. It was in his rectory. Surprisingly, sounds like a case of world's dumbest demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, actually, I, I like to joke around with the rest of the group and. Uh, Every now and then, my first investigation was actually with uh, Father Bob Bailey and Carl Johnson. There you go. So, that's right. That's a good way to I get mean, started. Yeah. Now, for those who aren't familiar, uh, a lot of people listening to Spooky South Coast, they know Carl Johnson because Keith and Carl, they come on the show all the time. But uh, for those who might not be familiar, Rob, tell us a little bit about Father Bailey and his work. Well, Father Bailey um, has started what uh, he is calling the PWSM Network. It's the Paranormal Warriors of St. Michael Network. And what that is, he's trying to get clergy together as well as paranormal groups across, you know, the United States. So, um, you know, people are dealing with uh, any type of demonic issues. If he can't get there, then he has, you know, clergy in different area that are trained in this sort of thing that can, you know, help out whatever clients need it. And paranormal groups, he's actually put together uh, a lot of, instructional paperwork, certain prayers that they would use that would uh, help out, you know, paranormal groups that he thinks would be suited for this type of work. And when you're trying to create this network, I mean, how much does experience come into play? Because a lot of these groups that are coming out there, it's it's almost like the demonologist on staff is kind of the new happening position. You know, it's like uh, somebody, originally it was you're going to be the tech guy, now it's you're going to be the demon guy. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's 
as far as like demonologist, I think that that word gets thrown out there a little too le- too easily sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't read a book or two and become a demonologist. You know, it takes a lot of time uh, studying and researching. You know, you get somebody like Michelle Bellinger who has years of experience and she's very intelligent. She's like a walking encyclopedia. Or Ed Warren or Lorraine Warren. I mean, I would say they're demonologists, you know. Um, not that I would discredit anybody, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, just certain terms seem to get thrown out there like possession, you know. Yep. I mean, it's far and in between that you have a true case of possession, you know, and people don't realize that oppression is something that's, you know, a lot more common than, than possession. So, like, you know, as far as demonologists, um, I would just say, you know, you really need to know what you're doing because it's not like dealing with a regular haunting. You know, you're dealing with something entirely different. Um, you know, there's a lot of different theories on what demons are. What we believe, you know, they're fallen angels, which make them a superior being, and it has to be dealt with in a much different manner than a haunting. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, oppression and possession, of course. There's, there's three stages generally accepted uh, to a demon attack, and when it gets to the point where it is oppression, that's, that's when things are getting pretty bad, and it's where it's, it's starting to really uh, infest your life, but it hasn't completely taken over. And what people don't realize, I think, sometimes is that if you are in that case, if you are in that stage of a demonic case, and you try to conduct an exorcism unnecessarily, you're actually opening it up so that things can happen faster for the demon. Absolutely, right. Because by that person believing they're possessed, it kind of makes it easier for the demon to possess them. Right, right. I mean, and, you know, if you talk with, uh, well, we, we did some research, and he, he Father Bailey kind of follows along with Father Gabriel Amorth, who actually says there's six different uh, stages really? that lead up to uh, a full possession. Actually, I kind of have them written down here, so I wouldn't forget them. But I mean, nothing wrong with notes. (laughs) No, but first you have your ordinary type of thing, which is temptation, which everybody is subject to, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you fall into your extra, extra, extraordinary. I can't even talk tonight. And you know that would start off with external pain. Kind of, he has you know documented that it's pain that's induced by it would be demons or Satan. And then you go into a diabolic obsession. From there, and that is more of like sudden attacks of obsessive thoughts mm-hmm. and behavior. From that, you would you'd transition into uh, diabolical oppression, and that's most common for paranormal groups. Uh, you know, when you go in and somebody's dealing with some form of demonic activity, at least according to Father Amorth, um, you, you're dealing with an oppression, which uh, it can be, you know. It's coming from outside the person. It's not, you know, a possession by any means. And they, it can come from many angles, whether it be family issues, monetary issues, uh, family relationships, even health. You know, it can just hit you from a lot of different areas. The fourth one would be infestation, which is, you know, in the home uh, with it, it can actually attach to the house, property, things, and even animals. From there, you go on to the demonic possession, which is where it takes full control over the body, but not the soul. Mm -hmm. And the sixth one would be diabolical subjugation or dependence. And that's when a person is voluntarily voluntarily or willingly submits to uh, the possession or to the demon or the devil or whatever it may be at that point. And and some people refer to that as perfect possession. Exactly. And that's something that I think a lot of paranormal groups aren't ready to deal with you know any stage of this at all really but uh, especially the perfect possession idea because if you've gotten to that point there's nothing you can do anymore 
I mean, now it's – and if you've allowed that to happen by creating in that person's mind the idea that they're possessed, it makes them more likely to become perfectly possessed. Right. I mean, it has to be warranted by the person. They're actually, you know – Willing to have it done, whether it be I don't know if it would be a, you know somebody that worships Satan or it's just somebody that is uh, you know wanting it for whatever me- reason they have you know for you know wanting to have it be possessed or I don't know I mean I can't fathom it but <laughs> obviously well, obviously there are some that do so you kind of got involved with these types of cases kind of right from the get go and right. and it became kind of a specialty of your group is that what you'd say. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I think yeah. Scotty would agree. We we tend to get more demonic cases than standard hauntings, uh, and I think that probably has a lot to do with uh, Father Bailey promoting his network, and mm-hmm. we work hand-in-hand, hand, so we actually, our case manager takes care of both Taunton Paranormal and PWSM, so everything comes through the one email okay. uh, and phone. Um, and then there was also the episode we did on Animal Planet, which was a... Uh, a different subject. I don't think we've seen much along those lines, and it, it kind of opened the door for a lot of people who were dealing with similar situations. And it seemed like after that, we, like the phone calls just, and emails I mean, came right in. We had gotten calls from as far out as California, Hawaii, you know, asking asking us actually to to get on a plane and come out and help. And you said, sure, you send know. us the tickets. So we'll be glad. <laughs> well, you know, we don't charge uh, mm-hmm. for the deliverance or the spiritual liberation or the investigation. But, you know, we have to ask a lot of times for travel expenses and accommodations to be able to get out there for, you know, a couple of days or whatever it takes. Especially with Father Bob, his schedule is very limited running the church and, you know, so it's hard to work it out. Which is another reason for the the whole networking with other groups. So you kind of get involved right from the beginning with Father Bob, and you you start going up against these demonic entities. Did you feel like you were prepared at that point? Did you feel like you were ready to go and combat these forces? Truthfully, um, I think a lot of us were pretty ignorant to mm-hmm. what might happen. Um, you know, it's not just grabbing a camera and a K two meter and a digital recorder and running out there like a fool. <laughs> you know, you really should do your 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 homework and. Truthfully, I I know I myself had done some research, and I think most of us had yeah. some sort of background. Yeah, demonology is not one of these on-the-job training. No, yeah. no absolutely no, not. Definitely not. That's that's why I've avoided it at all costs, because they say that one of the things about it is that you have to be uh, kind of spiritually grounded and spiritually yeah. prepared to go up against these things. And I don't have that kind of background. I don't have that kind of foundation. So I don't know what I believe. And... I don't think that the time to realize that there's a God is when you're standing face-to-face with a demon. Right, right. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, do you come from religious backgrounds? Were you kind of, did you grow up in the church? Uh, you know, is that? I, well, I grew up Catholic, and, um, you know, I had things going on where I, I kind of lost my faith for a while. And, you know, even doing the, uh, the hauntings, and we kind of transitioned from doing mostly hauntings to... Uh, more of the demonic cases and you know after three years working with father bob i've kind of become his assistant in as far as the uh deliverance or spiritual liberation but uh my faith is is very strong now and i i you know i spend a lot of time with him learning uh a lot of what needs to be done you know i mean any case we do i think even whether it be hauntings or demonic you just you learn something every time or at least i think you should learn something every time i mean there's just so much out there to try and absorb. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's important to to state that we didn't 
we didn't actually really jump into it other than probably the last, I'd say, year and a half. Yeah. I mean, we our, fir- our first big case was the uh, the rectory at Father Bob's. But I, I, I'd venture to say that it wasn't immediately following that, that it just, you know, it kept pounding. It, it was probably about a year and a half ago that it really was like, all right. This is this is what we need to be mm-hmm. to be focusing on more than more than haunts well, itself. I mean, I mean, I guess part of the the problem. I mean, you like to think that you know it's not as prevalent in the area as uh, as you think. But anybody that follows this show and knows when we talk about things like the Bridgewater Triangle and some of these psychological scars that are on this land and and some of the the, the strange happenings that happen here, it's the perfect place for this type of thing to happen. Um, we know that. It's a very rare percentage of paranormal cases that actually turn out to be demons. But do you find that in this area, for some reason, there is a high percentage of demonic activity? Actually, you know, we've had a lot of cases in this, in this, I guess you would say, Bridgewater Triangle area. But uh, we've also had a lot from Rhode Island. And not really sure why that is. But, I mean, we've had quite a few I yeah. would say I couldn't give a number, but quite a few in Rhode Island. Uh, we've actually traveled to New York twice, and both were for uh, demonic cases. We've actually got but, a few emails. Other than that, that we couldn't go to. But, you know, it, it seems like a lot of people have similar um, stories uh, about what's happening to them. You know, and we can't make it to all of them. Uh, but the two that we did were very similar, and they did turn out to be true. Uh, to to an extent, you know, I wouldn't say it was um, close to a possession, but there was definitely oppression going on in both of them, and a lot, like Scotty said, have come from Rhode Island, uh, Taunton. We had we've had quite a few in Taunton as well. I think in today's day, uh, there's definitely a rise in demonic activity. I you know you can listen to the radio or turn on the television and just listen to what's happening out there, and I, I think without a doubt that there's there's something much more sinister at work than you know than even five six years ten years ago you know. Well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna jump up on my soapbox here for a minute, and uh, I mean a lot of people feel that that is the case, and they feel that it's because of the state of the world that we're in today, and you know the economy's down, the whole world seems to be going to shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the one that always warns other people not to say those words on the air, and I did. But you know we have these concerns about the direction that mankind is headed, so we think that the demonic is coming in prana. I'm starting to wonder if the fact that there are so many of these groups out there who are putting, quote-unquote, demonologists on staff who are trying to investigate these demonic cases, are they responsible for giving rise to the demonic? Because, you know, part of the problem with demons is they need to be, you know, recognized. They need, they, you need to kind of pay attention to them for right. them to really get their job done right. And maybe the idea that these paranormal groups are going out there and chasing after them is like gold to them. It's like, oh, look, you know, we've made it. We've arrived. Here we are. We're stars. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think people in general have a lot to do with it, especially the paranormal is so much more widespread now. Uh, you know, you had, you know, with ghost hunters. I mean, everybody knows what the paranormal field I is. I think you actually misspoke. The paranormal hasn't changed. Our reporting of it has. Our, well, our I think it's more widely recognized. More widely recognized. It, it the actual mainstream. activity is No, no, I don't mean the activity itself. I mean that people are more aware or, you okay. know, because of what's on television now. Uh, yeah. It's, Maybe a, it's more a more willing, common term. Mm-hmm. Maybe know? more willing to, to come out with it. It's, it's, we, don't keep it we don't keep it in the closet right. with crazy right. Aunt Mary right. anymore. 
But I, you know, Get back in that closet. There's so many people that we, I mean, we even come across where they're they're constantly just taking it upon themselves to uh, try and do EVP sessions or dabbling with a Ouija board, you know, or seances or whatever it may be, you know. And these things are opening portals. And there's a very thin line, at least we think, you know, uh, using a Ouija board. And you know, that's one thing that we kind of stray away from. We try to tell people to stay away from, but. If you're continuously trying to get something to respond to you, um, I, I would think that that's kind of along the same lines as using something like a Ouija board, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, I, you know, people themselves may be drawing this stuff in. I think sometimes you, you may have uh, inexperience uh, with dealing with certain things that may falter. I mean, we've gotten... A few calls with Father Bailey has where there's been, and I wouldn't bash anybody, but there's been other groups that have gone in and, and the clients have called him and said, well, things have gotten worse. Um, you know, is it is it the group or is it the homeowner? Because there is maintenance that needs to be done on their part to keep these things out. Sure. And a lot of times we find if we go back, you know, he may give them uh religious medals to either bury in the yard or put in certain parts of the house and we'll come back a month later and they're still sitting on the table mm-hmm. and they haven't done anything with them you know and i think part of that though is it might be human nature uh of these people to hope that if they ignore it it'll go away type of thing you know like when a when a bratty kid is acting up the best plan is to not sit there and yell at him and give him attention but to ignore him and so i think people kind of take that approach with this and it, it, it's kind of a catch-22 because we're better off if we can ignore them, but we have to address the issue too. Right. And I think with the paranormal groups going out there and doing it, you know, it, it creates that buffer zone between the church and the homeowner, between the church and the person that's being targeted. It, it creates something that might be a little bit more, I don't want to say broad based, but, you know, it's, it's less constricting than to have, you know, a Catholic exorcist come in and get involved. What happens, this is a question from the chat room, though, what happens when you're dealing with one of these cases and you have to convince the homeowner that that's what's going on and it goes against their own religious beliefs? We've actually had that happen. Um, It was actually a Jewish family and and said, well, can a Catholic priest cross over, um, you know, a Jewish, uh, it was a Jewish man that that passed away. And his response was, you know, once you've passed over, that part of religion doesn't factor into it, Mm -hmm. I guess. He's just trying to guide them to the next area. Now, as far as something demonic, uh, I I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, Yeah, it's, I I think anytime you bring up religion in, in any sort of thing, but maybe even more so in the the paranormal world it's it's a touchy subject because because of people's beliefs i, I just but you know it's it's kind of like the the point of view that i take with it is it doesn't matter if i believe in it necessarily you know not uh, obviously i'm not going up against it i'm not, i'm talking from the perspective of somebody that's dealing with it um not battling it but if if i don't have to believe in it the demon just has to believe in it and, you know that's that's who, who really needs to be the one to to have it take effect um, so, I mean, that could be my own ignorance, though, because, like I said, I do stay away from these cases intentionally. Well, you know, when he's he's going up against something demonic, he's not doing an exorcism. You know, it's it's a spiritual liberation. He's he's Father Bailey is not an exorcist by okay. any stretch of the imagination. I know when we did Animal Planet, they actually titled him as a world-renowned exorcist, which was not true at all. And, you know, it, it was actually bad for him because it looked like he promoted himself that way. And it, he, he, he does have um, backing by his bishop uh, to do 
the spiritual liberation, but he, he does not do exorcism. So when you're getting involved with these cases, uh, have you ever had an incident where you've had an investigator take part or somebody else that's you know, on the fringe of this investigation who's been affected by what you've been going up against? Actually, um, I think I know you've been touched have, by something. I've, I've been touched by by something. Um, I couldn't tell you what it was. Uh, there was a case I actually uh, I was scratched. Uh, there was reports that uh, a cat or some something had had passed on in the in the building, uh, and I had been scratched. We were all sitting in a uh, in a big room. Doing uh, doing an EVP session at a uh, at a rectory in Taunton actually, and uh, was was is it a rectory? It was it, it was the McKinstry House. The McKinstry House. It was a rectory, yeah. Um, and I I had gotten scratched, and you could clearly see the uh, the scratch marks on my legs. You know that that was kind of I would say probably about three four months after that is when it, like I, like I had said before about a year and a half ago, you know. I'd say probably three or four months after that is when we started really getting into the whole demonic. Well, we did have um, another member that was bitten. Uh, We did one case that was in Norton, and that one was was probably the most active, I think, that we've done. Um, Like I said, uh, Ed, one of our members, was bitten uh, on the under part of his arm, and you can actually see teeth marks on that. Um, another one of the female members said she felt like a claw reached inside her, and she was in a full cry. I mean, I can't see how you'd fake that. Um, and from that, that's where the Animal Planet episode actually um, came about because this thing actually followed me home. And for two months, I had stuff going on, some sort of an oppression or attack uh, during the sleeping hours that I really didn't uh, remember myself. My wife would tell me, and... You know, you think as a as an investigator, I would have had the the, the common sense to probably set up a camera right away, and you well, know. but sometimes we like to think that that isn't impacting our our personal life. <laughs> right, but I in in the long run, uh, I let one run for about I don't know three weeks, and we did capture something happening, and then um, we had Father Bob come in, and it actually took two or three times for him to come in and do a a, a deliverance over home to for to clear it out completely. So I mean, yeah, we've had we've had a few members. Uh, even Lou, I think he got scratched across the he back did. pretty significantly uh, during uh, the the thing at my house uh, during that whole episode. So it was, you know, it's it's it you, it's dangerous. I mean, you don't. And the room he was in was actually completely blessed. It was supposed to be, I guess you call it a safe zone, <laughs> and uh, didn't, didn't whatever work it was got in there and and it got him. So yeah. Well, we are talking with Scott and Rob of the Taunton Paranormal Group. If you have any questions, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. You can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can text us, 508-444-2661. whole bunch of ways to get a hold of us. Uh, but again, we, we welcome your calls. We definitely want your phone calls if you have any questions just about paranormal investigating or about the demonic in particular. Uh, again, 508-996-0500, One of the questions that came from Hilly in the chat room is the idea that uh, there does need to be some discernment when it comes to these cases of knowing if you're dealing with a demonic entity or if you're dealing with something that's just a jerk of a ghost. And uh, what, what kind of process do you go through for discernment? Uh, well, Father Bob has us go in and do a regular full investigation before 
he gets called in. And we kind of weigh it out with whatever evidence we come up with, what we might capture on, obviously, on video or on the EVPs. And a couple of people in the group, including myself, have uh, a type of sensitivity. I'm more empathic. You know, I can kind of feel a difference between a human spirit and a demonic entity. Um, Scotty himself is kind of recently, recently yeah, kind of in the last six months. You know, it's it's funny as as we've been doing it. It seems like some of these things have come out in a couple of the members. So, you know, I think for the most part, if you go into a place where there's demonic activity, there's a definitely a def, a different a heavy heavy feel. You know, um, even a haunt. I mean, you, there's just different. I don't know how to explain it. If you know, it's hard to really put into words. But there's a, def- a definite different. It's a, feel. it's a different feeling when you walk in. I, th- I think we've, and I mean, like I said, it's about been about a year and a half. We've really been going at it. But uh, I, I think we've kind of all gotten to a point where we can, and it's going to sound bad, but we can walk into a house and just kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, it's nothing that any of us do. It's just. You walk in and you just kind of you just kind of know, but that I mean that's going to lead to a lot of people, especially people who are in the field, kind of scratching their heads a little bit and saying, "What are you talking about?" I, understandable, but it's it's uh, one of those things like unless you experience it, unless you can figure it out for yourself, then you can't really describe that feeling. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, we do other than just our what we feel. I mean, we obviously go over our EVPs and video and all that, and uh, we we look at what we have and. And what, and what we capture, and go from there. I mean, if it if it seems of a, for lack of a better term, a nasty, a nasty figure, um, or a demonic figure, uh, we'll go from there with uh, Father Bob. Well, one of the other things we do too is the case manager usually only has uh, the information from the homeowner. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the group goes in blank. They don't know, okay, that there was a dark figure seen in this room or there's a cold spot that's always in this room. So if, if somebody goes in and, you know, they're feeling it here and it's kind of validated that way, you know, if they do pick up on the certain things that are going on. And obviously the DVR has a time stamp and so do the recorders. So if, you know, Scotty felt something at 10 o'clock in this room and we happen to catch something on the recorder and or on the video, they kind of coincide with with one another. Um, you know, you just kind of add it up and weigh it out and see if it, you know if it is something or if it isn't. You know, and, and in the end, unfortunately, it's it's all theory. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, you just kind of do the best you can and try and weigh it out. And if it seems to add up, you know, maybe you've got something. Well, we have about five minutes here before the end of the first hour and before we have to take a break for the news. But we do have a call on the line. Again, the numbers are five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. One eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. 996 Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Taunton Paranormal Group. Uh, yes. Uh, good afternoon. This is Rocky. Everything you're saying is right. In other words, I work for God. Uh, I was blessed in 99. And I came back from the Cape because my mother had cancer. I was next to the Catholic Church and uh, I was across the street and I felt something powerful coming over me, very powerful. And I was stunned. And the first word that came out of my mouth is, God, what do you want me to do? I said, I told him, he told me to say prayer for homeless and sickness. And uh, my mother was the first one. Uh, I told him my name and I told my mother's name. And he, the 
first day or the second day? I know it was gone the first day, but I didn't call her. Okay, and it was gone. He brings people to me. He uses me. God, God uses you to uh, say the prayers for people. Kind of act as his emissary for these people. Exactly, exactly. So no, he brings the people to me. I say, I say for me. And I don't even know these people. Well, Green is the mayor, the president, everybody. The mayor already knows. Well, Green, Brooks, he just brings the people to me. Cancer, it doesn't matter. Now, about the other part, the state army is really haunted. There's demons in there because the demon was on me yesterday. In so the armory he, building? Exactly, because I had a friend that worked there. I didn't even know. Next to Yellow Cab. On Pleasant Street, mm-hmm. okay, uh, he worked there. I said, I will never work here, but I didn't know it was going to be on me because the guys are with me 24 hours. got got to survive all the time. And uh, I was walking home. I wasn't thinking about it the first time. There was a woman in front of me. We, we walked by, and I felt it. When I feel something, I feel it, and I never felt it before. When I walked by there and I went to the park right next to Purchase, in that park next to Ann's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told God there's demons on me. And I told my name in town. He took it off me in one second. So you can see you can see the demons with your naked eye. You know where they are? Uh, exactly. When they're on me. And when it was on her, I asked her her name. And I told God about it. It was off her again. It was off her too. I said, don't go by there ever again. Because I joined the 700 Club a long time ago. They told me not to go by there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. There was on me six times. Friday was the sixth time. Now, I live, I'm going north. I pass Champions. Yep. Went up the street. Now, if I leave my window open, I don't know how to get in, but they get in. I went by the cab in the daytime because I had an appointment. Mm-hmm. They went... He went by there, and he came right in the cab, and stuff, and I felt it. They control you. Whatever you used to do, they'll make you do it. Okay, like uh, like on a Friday, I spent a lot of money. I won't say it, but I spent a lot of money for nothing, and it's it, it very scary. Okay? That's why I want to move from here. So whatever he's saying and you're saying is true. All right. Well, I thank you for calling. I hate to cut you off, but we're coming up on the news break here, so we we have to break off. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rocky. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. And uh, so, so there you go. There's somebody who believes that they have that ability of discernment. We don't. You know, people have their say here. We don't. Uh, right. We let them uh, say what they want to say. So, uh, but we are coming up against the news, so we do have to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk for a few minutes with our friend Dave Francis about a new venture that we've started on Facebook, of all places. Uh, of all the places to have the paranormal be forwarded, social media is the place. Uh, we're going to talk about a new thing that we have going on called Paranormal Peer Review that you're going to want to get involved with. So we'll talk to him for a few minutes, and we'll get right back into the discussion about demonology, about demons, about these cases that are happening right in our own backyard with Scott and Rob of the Taunton Paranormal Group. So stay tuned for that coming up. And uh, in the meantime, uh, during the break, if you want to jump on Facebook, look up Paranormal Peer Review so that you'll know exactly what we're talking about in just a few minutes. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
Reverse it. This way, please. Who's going to tell him? Oh, let's not wake him. He'll find out soon enough. Let him have one last. The spooky South Coast is back. No one is safe. Hold on tight. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. You know, Matt Costa, I'm going to ask you some questions, even though you don't have a microphone to respond. You can use hand signals. But um, my friend Jill this week was uh, talking with me and asking me about uh, what the deal is with the lyrics of our theme song and what's being said. And I, you know, the joke is, you know, people say that it sounds like they're saying time for fat girls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody else told me once that it's time for this world, so I went with that. But I didn't realize it was uh, time to understand the horror. It is. Yes. I also didn't realize exactly how much of this program we owe to that one song by RJD2. That's true. I watched the entire video on the YouTube, as the kids say. So, on, on the interwebs? On the interwebs. So we, uh, we thank you, RJD2, for not suing us and for <laughs> us being so small time that you don't even realize that we exist. Although, I don't know, guy who does electronic house music... Dudes who do a paranormal show in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. Mm. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's not Moby. <laughs> who is the, and, you know, I think there's what, Moby, Fatboy Slim, <laughs> and there's a couple of guys who claim to be brothers. Two different sets of brothers. Other than that, I couldn't tell you anybody that does that kind of music. So. Speaking of uh, guys who do house music... Let's bring on Dave Francis, which I have no idea what one has to do with the other, but uh, he is ready to join us because we're going to talk about this new venture that we started this week because, Dave, if there's one thing that we need to do, it's add one more thing onto our paranormal plates, but uh, we came up with this idea of paranormal peer review, and why don't you tell everybody what we have planned with that? Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, my plate was just overflowing. I don't know about yours. <laughs> <laughs> the paranormal plate, I'm talking. Exactly, yeah. Um, it was funny how it kind of started out because um, I'm one of these people that jumped on board. Um, I, I've always had a fascination with it. I had experiences when I was younger. And as I, um, you know, kind of matured a bit and started uh, getting into it a little bit more, it was started with books because um, I was pre-internet up till about 99 then I get on to uh, the internet, and it was um, it was a Dave Giuliano site, and a lot of those other places. So, I, yeah, I was exposed to a lot of pictures of the orbs and everything else, and kind of thought that that was what it was all about. And as I became a researcher because of watching taps and stuff on TV, and saying, "Hey, if these guys can do it, I can do it too." You know, I, I started developing techniques and learning from people, and kind of moving away from one group to one group to one group, and seeing how people were doing things, and realizing I wasn't getting my own questions answered. So, you know, as I've developed, I've kind of gotten that skeptical point of view more as kind of following the mainstream ideas of how things go. So um, as I posted to you the other day, I was saying, you know, God, I'm following these fraud sites lately. Everybody's posting that this is fraud and this is fraud and this is fraud. Wouldn't it be great if we just kind of had people look at things and your response was perfect. You know, this is what we need. We kind of need this peer review out there um, where people can just post stuff and not just talking about paranormal researches either. Um, a lot of this stuff just comes from the average person. You know, there's a guy taking a picture of his family and all of a sudden there's something in the picture he can't explain and um, he can get 50,000 answers from 50,000 different people. 
And a lot of times it's from a lot of people that, you know, just aren't very technical or know a lot of the stuff that's going on. Well, and it, was, it was one particular site that kind of set us both off. And, you know, I, I'm not going to name the page, but it's, there was another Facebook page where uh, basically people were putting up photos and this person that runs the page would comment on what they saw going on. And that's fine. We're, we're fine with that. But the problem was when other people were trying to bring up possibilities, I don't want to say debunking, but I'll say bringing up other things to consider, they were being banned. They were being told that their comments aren't welcome there. Oh, exactly. That's the the major thing, too. And um, there was a couple of them. I think it was um, a couple of the YouTube sites that I'd gone to. The people, uh, you're seeing them working with clients, and they've got the iPad out, and they're working with the Ghost Radar app, and mm-hmm. <laughs> telling them that the ghosts are coming Those through work a portal. Awesome, by the way. Yeah, created by lightning, and there's just so much stuff out there that you, you're shaking your head, and as soon as you put one little bit of reason out there or tell them, hey, this is how this actually works, you're banned, you're knocked off, they don't want to hear it. And, you know, with a client, that's somebody that's asking for somebody to come in and take a look at things and try to figure out what is really going on, whether it's normal or paranormal. So, And what, what we've decided to do is we've decided to give that open forum where when you do post the evidence, I mean, you have to be prepared. Somebody might tell you that it's not a ghost. And oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> more, exactly. more than likely, it's not anyway, so... Uh, and, and that's, 99% of the time, really. <laughs> but not only have we set it up you know in a way that people can and you can post you know videos you can post audio and dave's been great about putting up some documents that tell you how to do that without having to use compressed youtube video without having to use compressed audio from hosting it on facebook and uh so there's some documents up there to help you get along and that's that's what's i think going to be really great about this is it's not just going to be a site for you to submit evidence and have a bunch of people tell you what they think about it but it's also going to be a way to learn about how to best present your evidence as well and that's what it's all about. I think learning, taking, being able to, to put, put something out there, get some criticism back. And I think that's the trouble. So many people see the criticism, and it kind of goes against what they've already heard or seen. Um, you know, we, we've told people with this site, you know, be respectful and be able to take this criticism, because this criticism is really what's going to help us grow and understand what we're seeing, what we're hearing. And that's how the field is going to grow as a whole. I mean, if we don't start taking our part in telling other people, hey, you know, you might want to think about checking your camera settings because this happened here, or, um, you know, your audio settings were set too low and we think this might have happened, they, you know, just being able to stay open-minded and go back and say, hey, I think they're right, and, and they the eliminate fun. that the next time. Or, or it may explain something to somebody, like I was saying, we have the people that just came in and posted stuff that aren't even researchers. They kind of open their minds to, hey, you know, there's actually people out here to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm not having a hundred people tell me that I've got spirits running through my house or demons, you know, infesting my dog or something. It's the the fun part about it that I've found over, and it's only you know a couple days old, and we've already got about a hundred people involved with it. And uh, the the fun part for me is the fact that we say we will put up a picture and say you know we we thought of this we thought of this we thought of this and it doesn't seem to be any of those and there always seems to be some sort of mistaken you know anomaly that somebody else has encountered that we haven't so you know they might say well did you think about this no i didn't think about that and that opens up a whole new area now for you to instantly debunk things when they happen yep and the best part about it is you're right on the internet so if somebody gives you an answer like that and you kind of guessing hey you know no i really don't agree with that hey the search bar is right there you know you can go up and you can check that stuff out and 
kind of figure things out for yourself. And, and we've set it up so far uh, with a few people moderating. And, of course, the idea behind the moderators are there people, hey, it's me and Dave's page. We can decide who we want to make moderators. So it's people that we feel are what we're looking for in terms of the integrity of what we're doing. Uh, people who we know are going to be open-minded about evidence, who aren't going to allow personal attacks on people, who aren't going to allow the discussion to get out of hand. So, so far, it's myself and Dave. It's uh, Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal. And uh, we've been lucky enough that Marie D. Jones has also uh, jumped on board. And we've put it out there to a bunch of other people. I know Rosemary Ellen Guy is interested in jumping on. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of people that are going to be getting involved with this. So this is the place to get your evidence in front of people who can help you and in front of not just i'm not tooting our horns and saying hey we know what's a ghost and what isn't but we know people who can help you we know people who if it needs a certain type of analysis one thing that comes to mind dave is uh the picture that i posted up that renee carr took at lizzie borden's of my shirt being lifted up and you know that was an incident where at that moment my shirt was physically being lifted and everybody could see it and she snapped a picture, and she caught this red mist. And, and one of the gentlemen that uh, came on board actually embossed the photo, and you got a different perspective of it. And you know, that's a technique that I never would have thought of doing. And he explained the difference of what you can see two-dimensionally and three-dimensionally by doing that. Oh, exactly. That was a great you know, example of that, because I never even knew that, you know, that, you, that it couldn't, you couldn't differentiate the two, and then that the color even stayed through when he embossed it. So it was... Yeah, that was kind of mind-boggling, and then it, it got me going in and checking things out for myself to say, hey, well, you know, I need, really need to start learning a little bit more about this. And then I posted that picture of uh, Chris Moon turning on the, the telephone to the dead in the basement of Lizzie Borden's, and, uh, you know, Chris Moon had never even seen that photo before. And he gets he jumps in, and he was talking about how, you know, that's that happens sometimes when he turns it on, but never to that extent. So he was blown away by that photo. And But then again, the discussion opened up. They're orbs. What could they be? And we, we got about 20 posts with people going back and forth about what exactly could be going on there. So, I mean, this is, this is the discourse that we need for this evidence. We don't just need one person saying, yeah, you got a ghost. Great job. Or one person saying, no, that's dust. Move on. You know, we have the chance to actually keep breaking these down and keep analyzing them. And they're all posted right up there so people can go back to them and, and uh, check them out. So Paranormal Peer Review. On Facebook, if you go to my Facebook, uh, Tim Weisberg, I've been posting it up on there. We've been linking it up on the Spooky South Coast Facebook page. I know Dave's been linking it on his page. So that's just go look look it up. Just type in Paranormal Peer Review. You're going to find it. Like us. And it's not a group, so you don't have to join it and get a whole bunch of emails sent to you every day. And it's not going to be you know something that's going to start taking up your time. Just when you log into Facebook, it'll be right there under your pages. You can get involved with it if you want. If not, go on and do whatever else you're doing. But... That's what it's called. Paranormal Peer Review. Get involved. Like it. Join up. Let us know. Submit your evidence. And let's get the conversation rolling. Thanks, Dave, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Tim. And uh, it was really great to hear um, Scott and Rob tonight. All right. And we're going to hear a whole bunch more with them. So we'll we'll see you in the chat room. Have a good one. Good night. That is uh, independent researcher Dave Francis. You've seen him on the Travel Channel and uh, you know for his work at uh, Stone's Public House, and he helped me out immensely with the chapter on that for the book that Chris Balzano and I are working on that we're right up against the deadline for. So if you have a haunted item story that you want to submit to us, just email SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. It doesn't have to be a big involved story. We'll take little short stories, whatever you have. If you have a photo, great, but we want to hear about your haunted, cursed, and possessed objects. And uh, if you jump in the chat room on SpookySouthCoast.com and SpookyTV, Chris is in there as Hilly Rose, and he'll let you know uh, exactly what kind of stories he needs. So uh, let's uh, move on now with the discussion. We'll talk with Scott and Rob some more from Taunton Paranormal Group about demonology, about demonic cases, 
And uh, one of the questions that I did want to ask in the first hour, and we were kind of running out of time there a little bit, is how do you handle something that is just a negative ghost, something that is just a bad ghost? How would you deal with that in comparison to uh, dealing with a, a demonic case? Uh, well, if we're dealing with something malevolent that's not demonic, uh, you know, maybe a malevolent human spirit, Father Bob would come in and try to um, do a crossing over, uh, you know, and sometimes they won't go, um, you know, kind of try to coerce it um, and use the prayer and um, blessing and, and really just try to, um, I, I really don't know how he does it per se, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he has a, a ritual uh, that he does and uh, tries to coerce the, the spirit to move on. Um, either that or or have the angels, uh, Archangel Michael, come to try and guide him, whether it be to the the foot of Jesus or uh, to the next uh, realm. Um, you know, we, I don't think we've really seen many uh, hum- malevolent human spirits. Yeah. Uh, usually, with the hauntings that we've done, that were real, you know, tr- turned out to be true hauntings. It's been, you know, just something looking for attention. Uh, or something of a demonic nature that would require the either the, the uh, liberation of a home or person. Uh, not many with just you know uh, a negative human spirit. Uh, has there been any incident uh, when you're going to one of these homes where somebody feels that what they're dealing with is a demon or something you know of that nature, and it turns out that it's you know it's not. It's just a regular, ordinary, plain, nothing malevolent. Spirit, and it's just it's their own belief system that's made them think that it's something evil. Yeah, uh, actually, um, recently we had one that uh, I mean they were adamant that it was something of a demonic nature, and you know we did a, a couple of investigations, and uh, we had Father Bob go in, and there, there was really nothing that, that showed us that it was anything of a demonic nature. I think for that one client, I think there whether they just believed wholeheartedly that it was something um, of a negative nature. And we didn't find anything to show that. Uh, but, you know, something, he'll come in and do the blessing and uh, a liberation. I mean, pr- I've never seen prayer hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate to say it like this, but even if it's, you know, something of a, um, a, maybe a mental issue, uh, you know, uh, even a placebo effect. Yep. Uh, if it helps, you know, then God bless them. You know. Well, I mean, I don't know if something good. I don't know if you've seen that film, uh, The Last Exorcism. Uh, and in, in that story, in that movie, not to ruin it for anybody, but the the exorcist that's in that movie thinks that it's all just for show, and he right. thinks that he's really just there to help the people. And it turns out, you know, gets involved with the case. It isn't that way. But some people do feel it is that way. And as long as somebody like Father Bob knows that with that particular spirit, it won't do more damage than than good, then I don't see anything wrong with it if it makes the, the client feel better about it, right. especially if it's somebody who feels like it's, uh, you know, getting getting to them personally. If they're worried that they're getting into that oppressive state, then I'd rather they feel like it's gone because we know what paranoia can do to somebody anyway. Right. And he, he kind of, um, you know, does a little bit talking with uh, other family members or whoever may be involved, see if there is a history of any maybe psych issues mm-hmm. or, you know, anything along those lines to try and, you know, evaluate, okay, which direction are we going in, you know, so it's not just, okay, they say it's something demonic and, you know, just goes in assuming that. We do, we do try to, you know, weigh it out and see if there are other issues involved. 
All right. Well, if you'd like to call in with a question for Taunton Paranormal Group, you can give us a call. 1-877-996-1420. 508-996-0500. You can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. So many ways to get your questions answered. So feel free to just ask away. Uh, one of the kind of the conceits of pop culture demonology the the things that we see in movies about exorcisms and about these types of cases is that uh, you have to have the demon reveal its name in order to gain the power over it and get rid of it and uh, the we we hear so often that there is this hierarchy of demons and that they they do have names but do they share those with you is it necessary to get those names from them well, well go ahead Scotty a lot of the times uh, what we've what we've read and what we've learned uh, is that they'll they'll lie to you uh, they'll straight out lie to you. Sure. And, I mean, you you could ask what you believe to be a demon their name, and just to throw it out there, they could say their name's Tim. You, you know, and chances are their name isn't Tim, or they could throw their name out, and you know, they could be anything. They could say that their name's Satan, which clearly we under, we understand from what we've read and learned, obviously is that chances are it's probably not Satan. And if well. it is, you've got to call <laughs> Jeff Belanger because he's a Satanologist. <laughs> well, there's another point, too. Um, you know, you, well, you're not dealing with possession. Uh, you're dealing most likely with an oppression. Um, for an oppression, you really don't need the demon's name. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you're saying there are hierarchies of angels. Well, that that also falls true for demons. There are demons that are higher and, you know, more powerful, and then there's a lower level. When you're dealing with a possession and you need an exorcist, they know how to do that, and yes, they would most likely have more power over the demon if they could get its name. But dealing with an oppression, the name is not essential. So it's it's just a matter of it hasn't gained enough of a foothold yet right. that you can't... It's get, a, it's an I don't want to use the word exercise, but you can't get rid of it without uh, without reaching that level. Um, well, I think if you're dealing with a full possession, I think if they can gain its name, uh, and an exorcist, an exorcist would know how to do that. Like I said, Father Bob does deliverance. It's not, it's along those lines, but it's not the same because, like I said, possession is it's taking full control over the body. You know, not the soul, but it's it's an internal thing now. Oppression is an attack from the outside, so it hasn't gained you know control over the person. It may be causing pain or some sort of uh, attack but uh the at least what he's he's you know come to find is that the name is not so essential and as scotty said they will lie so i mean the chances of us getting a true name it's not i don't think it's going to happen and truthfully you know we were told that we we came up against baal once i seriously doubt it was baal uh because that's one of the higher level Mm -hmm. demons um but, you know, these lower-level things will lie to you and give you, you know, make, make you think you're coming up against something that's stronger. Isn't it, isn't it like part of the uh, part of the procedures and guidelines of being a demon in the job of trying to achieve possession? It's like one of the things you have to say that you're Satan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like one of those things. Like, well. you, you know, you have to have a capital letter in your password when you log into your bank account. You have to say that you're Satan when you're trying uh-huh. to possess somebody. It's just one of the one of the procedures. <laughs> well, it uh, might be true. <laughs> we, I mean, we should we shouldn't make light, of course. But I mean, especially uh, when, when we're talking about something that's so serious. Uh, one one of the things that I've often wondered when it comes to these cases is is there a a common thread that you see in the people who are being targeted by these demons? Is there something that they're doing that's setting them up 
for this to come into their lives, whether it be through their own doing or is it through just other ulterior circumstances? But is there a common thread in who it is that are being targeted by these demons? You know, that's a good question. I, I pose that to Father Bob, too. I think we all have. And, you know, you can have somebody who's completely devout that is dealing with uh, all sorts of oppression. Uh, and then you can have somebody who has no religion whatsoever or, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, an atheist or agnostic or whatever it may be and have the same things going on. I don't think that there's anything particular. I think there are things that may uh, make things happen, you know, dabbling where you really shouldn't may cause things to happen more. Even being in a paranormal group, going into a place, uh, not knowing if you're going to walk into something of a demonic nature, thinking you're going into a regular haunting I mean that's happened to us. N- not protecting yourself. That's, I mean that's I know a good we point. do we do protection prayers before we enter a a home or a building, and uh, we do protection prayers after we leave. I think that's a big that's a big thing that I'm not sure a lot of uh, a lot of groups out there do. Whether you're doing regular haunts or or uh, demonic, um, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes you can walk into. You can walk into anything going into a, an investigation. You never know. Um, so I think it's always – I know that's a big thing we always we always preach when we're talking to other people is make sure you protect yourself before you go in. Yeah, he'll actually uh, you know, bless <laughs> a whole case of spring water, and we'll drink that prior. If we know we're going into a demonic case, we'll actually drink it, the, the blessed water. Sure, fill it up. Get, get get the holy water in you, and then, well, you know, if you need to, you can just unzip and disperse. <laughs> you're say drinking it, it's not going to hurt you. It's all in the belief of the person. But, right, I mean, right. when you're dealing with this stuff, you know, making these prophylactic prayers before and after is, is well and good. But if you're not spiritually set even beyond coming in and going into dealing with these things, is doing the prayers just – at the at the time before you walk out, no, when you I leave mean, is really not going to you know no. do anything. You if can't you don't just say any, the words. You have right. to have some sort of faith, and you yeah, really well, see, have to have faith. I don't do any kind of protection prayer before I investigate because with me it's implied. You stay here. You're not coming with me. And I think if you have that kind of belief and attitude and approach about yourself, then that might work just as well. Because I don't necessarily know that in my beliefs the prayer would matter. So to me, it's just more with how I carry myself when I'm involved in an investigation. So, I mean, it's, it can work for different people. I mean, it could just be that I'm lucky so far, too. Well, I think, <laughs> you know, provoking is another issue in itself. Um, yeah, you don't want to investigate with no. me. No. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, make, I make Zach Bagans look like uh, – I, I make him look like a little old lady. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is if you're dealing with the human spirit, really I don't think there's a lot that you, you really need to provoke with. And if you're dealing with something demonic, you never provoke in your own name. You always, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, because we don't have power over the demons. They'd laugh at us, you know. Um, but, you know, it says in the Bible, in in my name, you can cast out demons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and faith, again, it's it's the most important thing. You really have to have some form of faith. Well, one of the questions that popped up here, and I'll, I'll kind of give a for instance here, but... Uh, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with a baseball team, and not that this is any kind of sport, but when you're dealing with a baseball team, you know, uh, pitchers know that certain hitters have certain tendencies, and uh, hitters know that certain pitchers have certain tendencies, and it gets to be there, there, there's a plan for how to deal with a particular opponent. 
uh, or pretty much you know anything else. You you know the tendencies of your opponent, and you know how to deal with them in the best, most efficient way based on the past history of how they performed. Does it work that way with demons? Are some of these demons identifiable? And when you can identify who they are by whatever they're doing, does it make it that there are certain ways that you can get rid of them faster or more efficiently? I, I think in the the deliverance end of it, I think I think we've uh, along with Father Bob, obviously, come up with a a solution on on the way to do the deliverance. Uh, we'd start outside, uh, thus sealing everything on the outside, not letting anything else in, and then uh, I believe he starts on the the bottom floor and works his way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for the most part. For the most part, and. Uh, and when you when you're working in a room too, isn't it like corners out? Like, isn't that how you're supposed to kind of? Well, he does the prayers. Usually, there's a couple of us, and we'll do use, do the sacramentals, which consists of the holy water, holy salt, and um, blessed incense, and kind of go corner to corner, the windows, doorways, um, finish one floor of the house, and then go up, and you know he'll seal off if there's a, an attic, he'll seal that off, and cover essentially the entire portion, you know, whatever from basement to attic uh, in the house, and then. Like Scotty was saying, go around the perimeter of the house and and do a, a hedge of protection uh, around the entire property. Is you know it's been tweaked. Um, you know we used to do it one way a couple of years ago, and he's found that certain things work better than others. Um, and I guess going by the cases that we've done, and and we do keep in touch with uh, everybody that we've we've gone to help out and touch base with them. And for the most part, we've had pretty good success uh at least coming from each client you know of course there's there's times where it takes more than once to go in and uh you know usually it seems to go pretty well so i I think we're doing something right yeah we'll we'll throw out the numbers again 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420 if you want to call in with any questions for our group, our, our guest, Taunton Paranormal Group. And uh, you guys also host a TV show, right? It's a yeah, TV show yes, people can catch. Yes, we do. Uh, we've just started really trying to put it on Facebook to get it out. Uh, we've actually found a site that allows us to put the whole half-hour show right. on. Uh, we were having troubles before with uh, with YouTube only allowing a uh, 10-minute video. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't allow us a director's... Mm-hmm. Uh, a director's cut. Yeah, it name. comes. It comes with time. Yeah, right. And uh, so we've we've done that. Uh, we're actually we're in. I believe right now just Taunton. Yeah, we were we're in Taunton now. We air Tuesdays, uh, Fridays, and Sundays, um, and we we air biweekly. So we'll we'll do one episode or one for two weeks, and then uh, we'll do another. And we were doing mainly uh, the investigations and trying to get the. More, more of the information portion of it out there. You know some of the evidence that we caught, and we're trying to do more in studio shoots with guests now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we've had Carl Johnson on, we've had, we've had Lorraine Warren on, uh, Father Bob numerous times. So we're we're trying to reach out to other like you guys. I think we're going to try and have you guys come on. Sure. Uh, and and wow, you're really rubbing the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> You get Father Bob, you get Lorraine Warren, and then when nobody else answers the phone, you know, spooky <laughs> South Coast. Really. Just, just, just for, uh, just, just to get it out there, I think it's Lorraine Warren and Father Bob. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, we work with Father Bob, but I, I think he. I just admit mean it. in terms of accessibility, <laughs> you, you have to wait for Lorraine to come to you. I mean, you have to wait till you can get to Lorraine because you know yeah. she's getting up there yeah. and, and things yeah. are getting tougher for her. But 
uh, w- one thing too, I, I will extend the invitation. If you guys want, you're more than welcome to broadcast on Spooky TV too. Just you can take your past episodes and pick a time slot, and I'll go through the whole process with you of how to upload oh, them. Oh, great! Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Because we're trying to make our Spooky TV network be something that people can go to 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 catch all these shows. So you know, if if it is airing and it is an old episode, you can put it up there. And while it's running, you can be in the chat room sharing with people, you know, more of the uh, behind-the-scenes story of it. So that'd oh, be nice. kind of cool. It's, well, it's it falls option. into networking too, you know. And it would be nice if if a lot of the groups would network more. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, and not so much now, but I mean, in the beginning, it seemed like everybody was kind of like very um, standoffish. Standoffish I mean, yeah. is a good word. No, nobody wanted to share what <laughs> they were getting. Yeah. For fear that somebody else was going to maybe I don't know take claim it's over. It's been it. like that for yeah. a long. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know we say that too. But at the same time, we've actually had instances where that's happened. There's been instances where we've had evidence that was given to us by somebody else, and we've gone and done a television show, and it's been presented as if it was our evidence, and, and credit isn't given. Now we we actually fill out paperwork. Yep. Uh, you know, and as I'm sure you guys do with Animal Planet, whenever you go on these shows, you sign releases for them to use your evidence and to use your likeness and all that stuff. And we make it a point to put on all this paperwork who it was that we got this evidence from. Right. You know, we wanted to say, sure, courtesy of Spooky South Coast slash Wailing City Ghost slash, you know, Dart. We want people who actually capture this evidence to get their credit. And we're just the conduit for how it got on the air. Right. And, and they don't do that. You know, the, the, the exactly. production people don't care about that because they don't really give a crap who gave them the evidence. Right. And well, they think it's a distraction to have to put that up there on the screen. I'll tell you, doing, because we produce and edit uh, Haunted Happenings ourselves, uh, anybody that comes on, we, we do give credit to. But go. speaking from our experience with Animal Planet, um, <laughs> we will not do national so, television So anymore. you know what we're talking oh, about. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we signed the papers, and that was the last we saw until it aired. And I had, you know, people attacking me saying, well, you did this, this, and this. And I'm like, hey, I gave them the footage, and from where it went from there, mm-hmm. you know, I had nothing to do with it. And, you know... People we, call me a liar. <laughs> we actually have an instance that we uh, we joke about all the time. We we usually have our meetings at Rob's house, and uh, probably about once once a meeting, somebody will bring up uh, they in in the episode they they put not far from Jake's home is Dogtown. Well, Dogtown's actually in Gloucester, yeah, which is actually nowhere near Taunton. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I got hell for that too. <laughs> you know, it was my fault. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we've dealt with. I mean, we've done a few of these shows because whenever anybody goes to Lizzie Borden's, they call me and Moniz because we've had pretty profound experiences there, and we've had to go there and actually sit through the process of going in and out of a door fifteen times oh so they can God. get the take right. Oh yeah. You know, and then we went and we filmed the episode of Ghost Lab that that happened there, and none of what we films got used in the episode and it got to the point when i was watching on television they got about 15 minutes in and i was like oh please god let me be on the cutting room floor of this one because i don't want myself associated with what the show is and as you said you don't have any control over anything they're not going to show us any kind of pre-edits or anything so for us all we can do is just hope that whatever we provided them fits in in a way that contributes to what they're doing and doesn't make us look stupid that was my big fear recently with ghost adventures i mean i'm not that uh, luckily worked out all right. It though. did. It did. Yeah. I'm not 100% behind everything that goes on on that show. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, when we were presented, that we didn't come across looking stupid. And, right. and you know, I've, I now know more about the behind the scenes of that show. I know more about those guys, and I understand it more, and I have a better appreciation for it. But at the time, I'm concerned. And, you know, sure enough, the episode airs, and you get Zach's narrative, which is, if you're not a fan of those guys, it's... 
it's kind of laugh inducing. Mm. And I'm watching it in a newsroom full of like you know hardened news veterans, and they're like, "Really, you're going to be on this show?" <laughs> and that's just, but you know, to people yeah. in the paranormal, they don't have that approach to it, right? You know, it was crazy, too, because we did two episodes for Animal Planet. One actually dealt with our group. And then in New York, we helped out a team called Pistols. And I sent them probably 20 hours of footage for them to turn around and do a 30-second clip, mainly with just Father Bob in it. And it was it was really terrible. I mean, because I wrote them saying, please don't use any with me in it. Use their team. Use, you know, the guys from my team that, you know, whatever. And uh, they did 30 seconds of 20 hours of footage and didn't even give Pistols credit, I don't think. No. You know, it was their case. It was it was Father Bob and his Yeah, essentially, his I think it was they, they just wanted they Father Bob on, on their show for that. And yeah. it had nothing to do with the episode that was airing. It was crazy. Let's not, let's not even bring up the fact that why is Animal Planet doing these shows anyway? I mean, <laughs> some of them do have that, you know, animal connection to them. And some of them, I'm just like, huh? I think they've strayed. You yeah. know, I don't even know if they're doing another season, to be honest. Um, I wrote one of the producers and asked them, you know, what was going on. And I, you know, I got back. Sorry, I don't really have that information. <laughs> but uh, even I was, you know, it was about what was happening with our Pomeranian. And next thing you know, it's me being seduced by a, a, an incubus, a succubus or something. Uh, more so than what was happening yeah, with how, the dog. How did that work out for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I will not do national television again. I'll say that. Well, uh, well, the biggest the biggest part of uh, the problem was that they probably wanted to bring in uh, a woman to reenact it as you're laying there in the bed, and you have to explain that to the wife. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> honey, they just this is what they want me to do. Well, you know something? Not that we were looking for money, but they didn't offer us any money. I think they gave us leftovers, and they don't they get me started on a thousand dollars for a stunt dog that they didn't use <laughs> that looked nothing like our dog. I mean, it was I I just don't get the the whole thing. Oh, that's, yeah, you definitely can't expect to get paid in these types no. of shows. Well, we it, weren't really looking for it, but it was, I just found nice it crazy that they would pay $1,000 for a, a dog. I, I think, I think what Rob's trying to say more than, more than get paid, that we sent them all our footage and they wanted it overnighted and everything. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they, they don't and reimburse they, they you for that. Reimburse right. you they, for that. Yeah. It, you know. See, here's, here's a lesson that I've learned. This is the lesson that you you need to take with you. If uh, you haven't already figured it out on, on your own, let me just pass this on to you in case you ever do change your mind and decide to do one of these shows. You ask them for their FedEx number. Oh, no. That was taken care of. Yeah. You don't, don't ever say, yeah, I'll ship it to you. You'd be like, no, what's your FedEx number? Yeah. And then let them foot the bill for that. But, yep. And the other thing that, you know, like I said, you, know, you can't expect to get paid, and, and none of us really do. No. But if we're going to be getting there and you're going to make us wait around 45, 50, an hour and a half – you know, while you're while you're having your lunch break, you could offer us a couple slices of pizza. Mm, I mean, it's yeah. not that hard. They uh, just for a story, I know, kind of straying off where we were meant to go. <laughs> this is fun though. But uh, <laughs> they had called us. It was myself, Rob, and uh, Lou at the t- Lou, our co-founder at the time, was. Uh, we were sitting at Rob's house waiting for the crew to al- arrive, and they called Rob and said, "Don't worry about it, guys. We're bringing you dinner tonight." You know, no big deal. So we didn't think anything of it. You know, they're like, "Oh, we're going to bring you Olive Garden." And at the time, my uh, my fiance at the time was uh, working at Olive Garden. So I'd sent her a text message. You know, I said, "Oh, did anybody come in and get a big order?" She said, "Yeah, a couple of people came in about noontime and got you know a whole bunch of stuff." But other than that, you know, nobody had come in. 
I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's like four o'clock. They uh, they show up probably about six six thirty with the food, and of course, I I know what they they serve uh, at Olive Garden, obviously, because sure, yeah. you know, and uh, <laughs> it was actually half a salad, like three breadsticks, and like a half a thing of pasta. So they had already rummaged through it yep. at their hotel and then brought it over. And of course, to other paranormal groups, you know, we're we're sitting around here like, <laughs> oh wow, this is how we're t- mistreated by all the national television exposure that we've gotten. But you know, a lot of these people would kill to get their yeah. their piece of golden evidence in front of that many eyes. But you know, it, it's just a lesson learned for people that do aspire to that. Be careful because Be careful we're just sharing, yeah, for. we're sharing with you what's happened to us, so that you know you're a little right. wiser going into it. And I think that uh, especially when you're dealing with something like the demonic, which is the hot and popular topic now, you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before you work on a case that one of these television shows is going to want to come in and either profile you or take over the case completely and put their people in it. Uh, so you have to kind of be aware of that because right. we've gotten to the point where regular ghosts are kind of boring television now. Well, I think the shock factor is a big thing, you mm-hmm. know, especially when ratings are involved. But I, I do want to touch on the animal. But the people that came down were great people. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. You know, yeah. they really were good people. Uh, That's because they is. hire local production people who are awesome and might run into you somewhere, so they're nice to you. <laughs> it's those network folks that are actually, like, yeah, we just want you. Actually, it was the it was the. I guess they have a group that travels with them because Father Bob actually knew about four a or five of them, of them yeah. Yeah. from working on uh, Paranormal State. You know, but I think it was just that uh, there was a lot involved. I mean, they were there for uh, over a week, a week, a week. like ten hours a day. Yeah. You know, and for the amount of footage they took, it was minimal, <laughs> minimal that we actually got used. That, so. That's what I would caution people out there that that do aspire to to be on national television. As most people, well, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people find that as a uh, the holy grail, mm-hmm. um, and it's not exactly how you. Oh, you think it is? No. You know? I mean, I hear from people who go out there and film weekly television shows. You know, we're, we're friends with a lot of these people, and they tell us, you know, if I had known this is what it was when I signed up for it, I, I wouldn't have stuck with it, you yeah. know, because it's, it is, it's taxing. And it takes away from being – I mean, that's why you see a lot of these shows getting away from or some shows not even getting involved with the private cases right. because you're not actually offering the people the help that they need if you're also filming a television show around it, it right. it's impossible to do both things at once to 100 percent effectiveness yeah. so that's why we're seeing more of these more historic haunts these more public haunts because it's doing a disservice to the private homeowner to try to do the same thing at the same time and then if you Go into the homeowner's house to recreate it after you've already gone in there and done the investigation. Well, now it's just staged. Right. So it's you know you're you're in one of those Damn catch twenty twos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. You know, I mean, especially when editing falls into the factor and and like I said, ratings. I mean, when when they like I don't want to use any specific ones, but when they have to make their numbers to make their money. You know, they and not not that anything's being faked, but things don't actually fall into place the way they may have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just it makes people question it. And but is uh, that the group's fault or is that the part of the editors and yeah, the producers? The pretty, yeah. I think it's probably more the editors and producers, depending on how much um, the group's involvement is, like how much control they have over it. Well, one of the most famous only has a limited amount of. Uh, Say in the total production of the of the show, and we yeah. know this from knowing these people that's, personally. They got a bad sure. deal. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> they should have just held out a few more years and let everybody else go first. <laughs> 
But uh, I don't know about you guys, but I know that every time that I investigate, like, and I'm talking a regular investigation with no camera crews around there, whenever anything paranormal is going to happen, I start to hear that music intensify. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. then it, yeah. one of us just has to say, what was that? And then, bam, there you go, activity. Yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> So. That's the nice thing about you know doing the local access is we don't have to produce because we don't get paid for it anyway, and nobody's going to tell us yep. you know what you're off the air. So whether we you have, just have a local show or one whatever, way. well, it's, yeah, and, it just has to draw people's attention. And right. even then, it's cable access; you don't really have to draw people's attention. No, you, just, you, know, you just have, have to have take the class and learn, learn how to do it and yeah. do it right. As long <laughs> as you don't break the camera, they don't really cancel you. Right. But uh, you know the good thing though about uh, about cable access, especially, and we've seen it happen with friends of ours who do cable access shows. You do build up a network, and you were saying before, Scott, about how people have to work together. And when you can, you know, there's somewhere in Kansas, there's a group that does a show like yours. Yep. And they might have different hauntings. They might have different cases. They might have different theories and different experiences. So they can send their show to you guys. You can send your show to them, and you can sponsor it on each other's cable systems. And I can tell you right now, cable Peg Media, look yep. it up. Peg Media is where you can upload your shows, and, and the stations can, can share it. Back stations and forth, right? can download them and share them. It's like oh, it's, really? like, it's yeah. kind of the same. It's kind of like the same service that PBS used to work under, yeah. where they would kind of put it all into one central database, and people could produce programs and have it air on the different networks. And I, I think, like you said about the, uh, you know, cross referencing with other groups about about things. I not to uh, not to sound like Mick Foley here with a cheap plug, but. Uh, you know, paranormal peer review on on Facebook. There you go. Yeah. You know, and give speaking, it a like. Speaking of Mick Foley, he's coming to Wareham, uh, coming up. I believe it's November seventeenth. He's doing a, a charity comedy show. Now that he's doing stand up comedy, he's doing a show uh, at Salerno's Function Hall to raise money uh, for a good cause. And our buddy Roger over at Center and Saints yep. Tattoo is uh, the one who's actually putting this all together. And there's actually going to be an autograph session beforehand at Centers and Saints, where if you come and just bring a can good, you can get an autograph from Mick Foley. So uh, definitely, I mean, I'll be there. It's right down the street from my, and I've met Mick on numerous occasions. He's a great guy, and uh, so definitely get out there and help a good cause. We'll have uh, we'll have Uncle Roger on to talk about that coming up in the next few weeks. To talk Sounds about good. More. Yeah, but definitely check out check out uh, Peg Media. It'll get you far more exposure. You know, as you know, I'm one of the hosts of Thirty Odd Minutes with Belanger, and we we upload you know Thirty Odd to Peg Media, and that's gotten us out to close to six million possible homes uh, wow. throughout the throughout the country i mean it costs a little bit to you know once once you're in but you're in but it opens up a whole new avenue to places across the country for and, you. And yeah, i can tell you cable access that. stations they love the paranormal stuff because yeah, it's it's, it's really one of the few it, yeah. it's one of the few things that you're going to get viewers and it's one of the few things where the people are really passionate about producing the television and coming up with new and innovative ways of doing it you know that because so many of these shows exist that do something the way they do it then it's the paranormal groups trying to find a different way to make sure that they're finding their own niche so it makes uh, for much more compelling television than the usual. No offense to anybody, but the two chairs in front of the palm, you know, the the palms and the the table. Yeah. You know, I mean, to some to some people, some studios they won't let you do more than that. Others are willing to let you take risks. So it's definitely a way to go. And and you know, don't wait around waiting for a network to offer you a show. Start producing on your own. That's the way mm. to do it. Can't hurt. No, you know. All well, right. We were looking for a while trying to find an avenue online. You know, it, was, it just wasn't a lot out there at that time. So and the hard part about it too is you're you're competing with people's entertainment time. You know, and that's that's the the biggest problem with this is there's so many options now. 
back in the 80s, if there had been enough of these paranormal shows on cable access back then, we wouldn't have had to wait for this big surge to come now. I mean, this would have been a lot, you know, if we had more, uh, more Dr. Venkman type shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actual, you know, if we were doing the kind of things that we're doing now on cable access back then, I mean, I used to do a kid's game show. You know what I mean? And on Thursday nights, and that might have been more watched than some of the other shows that were going on. You know, within our school, right. you know, more kids watch that than they watch the the network shows, and and that's when it mattered. So, you know, that might have been the way to do it. But hey, whatever. Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what Mark said. Uncle Tim? No, no, I didn't. I did not dress as a clown and have children sit on my lap. <laughs> I just asked questions and gave prizes away. I do. Uh I told uh, I told Mark that uh, last week he asked me a question in the chat, and I told him I'd tell the story. Uh, we had shown up. Uh, he'd asked me a question about chip coffee, <laughs> and uh, I got to tell the story because I think it's hilarious. We fo- we showed up one night to a uh, investigation, a local investigation, and uh, the lady let us in. You know, no big deal. And after a while, she looks at us and says, "I don't want to be on TV." Thought it was kind of weird, but uh, she looks around after a few minutes and she goes, "Excuse me, guys, where's Chip?" <laughs> and we we looked at it. We all looked at each other and we were kind of like, "Um, we're not we're, PRS, PRS ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was just funny because it had come through Father Bob. So I don't know if she assumed that because of, yeah, it was paranormal. You know, PRS. I got, I got the team coming out. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Ryan will and bring. And then she demons. wouldn't let us leave. <laughs> Well, there you go. See, it's it's not all it's it's not all it's cracked up to be when uh, TV starts uh, infesting your your life. <laughs> Speaking of which, Spooky TV, you want to tune in on Tuesday nights and watch uh, Tiffany Rice with her show Spirit Connections. They had a a great event going on today, Matt. They had a lo- good turnout. Uh, relatively decent turnout. Myself, Andy Lake, um, Carlson Chops Woods from Pan- Phantom PI, um, John Brightman also stopped by. Uh, was uh, an interesting time. Uh, we had uh, various mediums there doing readings for people uh, at a reduced rate. A lot of people uh, enjoyed my little paranormal collection of uh, physical items and stuff like that. Which was really just, you know, old underwear. and <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to see his stuff. He's got some good stuff. And uh, But you can catch our show Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock on Spooky TV and also on Wareham Television. And, uh, and Haunted Happenings, when can people catch that? Uh, that's Tuesday at 9.30, Friday at 6.30 p.m., and Sunday at 9.30 on Channel 15, Comcast, 22 on Verizon. There you go. And, uh, in time. In <laughs> And uh, hopefully we can get them to, to put it on Spooky TV as well. But uh, we have plenty of shows coming up on Spooky TV, too, as the year Mind goes on. I, um, promote something? Absolutely. Uh, I now will be leading Haunted Tours of the Lizzie Borden House every weekend. Two tours per day, Saturday and Sunday. Only 15 bucks a person, and I take you through the entire house and give you the entire haunted history of each room. Wow. I hope John Gomes isn't listening. Speaking of which, we do have four tickets left for our Dead of Winter 2012 event coming up on February 25th. The rooms are all gone. Uh, they've all been rented out, uh, but we do have four tickets remaining. If you go to jeffbelanger.com, the link is on there, and I've been putting it up on Facebook, too, so you can buy those four last tickets, $125. You get to come check out the house, investigate all night with the Spooky Crew and Jeff Belanger and Andy Lake, and uh, we're going to have lectures, we're going to have uh, book signings, Q&A, and dinner. 
It's everything that you need all in one night. So, And, you know, if it doesn't matter that you can't get a room because they're all sold out. You're not going to want to go to sleep after you spend all that time right. at Lizzie Borden. So, uh, well, there was some neat activity on the tours I did over the weekend. I had a group come through, close to 30 people. And as we're leaving one of the third floor rooms, one of the chair moves out from the railing right into the middle of the room as we're walking out. Wow. So there you go. You yeah. don't want to miss we that. We actually uh, went by there last summer. Uh, it was my wife and two kids with me, and we were in, I think it was the mother's bedroom upstairs, and there's a coat rack uh, okay. actually came down right in between the two of us, and we were a good couple of feet away from it, so that was kind of interesting. Oh, that place is wild. <laughs> my favorite thing is just whenever we order pizzas, I always answer the front, because you know, nobody uses the front door. You're not supposed to use the front door there. So whenever the pizza guy comes and he knocks on the front door, I just answer it holding the axe. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, go around the side. <laughs> All right, well, that about does it for this week's show. Uh, again, we want to remind you, Spooky TV all week long. There's all kinds of stuff happening. Wherehamradio.com, too. Uh, that's the new venture that we have going on. Paranormal Peer Review on Facebook. There's so much stuff to plug. I have too much free time on my hands now. But uh, we've got all kinds of things uh, for you to check out and to go on. Uh, you guys have a website for Taunton Paranormal Group? Uh, not currently. All right, well, you we'll, can find us all. We're, we're both on Facebook. You can find well, us actually, on we can go to... Um pwsm-ri.org, which is Father Bob's uh, PWSM Network uh, website. There you go. And there's good information there, especially for paranormal groups. All right. We'll be back next week with our guest, Michael Allegian, uh, who with his new work, Prepare for the Landing. And uh, this is going to be another one of those fun nights where we're going to have to put something in Matt Moniz's mouth and kind of muzzle him a little bit. <sighs> this is going to be a good one. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for that. We'll be back next Saturday night at the regular time, 10.15 Eastern Time, or you know whenever the Bruins decide to let us go on. They've been really good the last couple of weeks, so hopefully that keeps going. And uh, we'll be back to talk with you more about that. So until then, for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.